I just recently learned something through this interview that I did with Alyssa Chavez earlier this month, and I learned that March is Endometriosis Awareness Month. And considering I did this episode interview in March and was just going to keep it in my back pocket for a while, uh, of course, I had to release it right away. So um, welcome to our very first bonus episode. I'm really excited to put this out there because I know so many women suffer and experience symptoms of endometriosis and infertility as well. So I hope this episode will make you feel seen. Take a look at the show notes for how you can reach Alyssa and the amazing work that she does. And I hope that you enjoy. Take care. Today, we have Alyssa Chavez, and she is a functional hormone specialist, restorative wellness practitioner, nutritional therapist practitioner, and self-proclaimed endo warrior, which is probably my favorite. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me today. So first, if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing a little bit about yourself and background and how you came to be throughout this journey. Absolutely. So my journey really started, I guess, about six years ago now, as far as when I actually started to hear the word endometriosis and started struggling with fertility and all of that stuff. Although looking back, I actually had shown symptoms of endometriosis even back in my teen years, although I had no idea. I hadn't even heard of it at that time. So as far as the active part of my journey, it's been about the past six years now. It started off for me actually after my husband and I got married we, you know, decided we wanted to start a family right away. And, you know, after about, I think about a year after we had started uh, trying to have a family, we were not having any success. And so we decided to go ahead and go see a fertility specialist just to see what was going on. And that was actually the first time that anyone ever mentioned endometriosis to me, which has now become such a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, So, we were working with her really for the fertility piece of it. And even going through that journey, I felt like I just didn't really know much about it. I didn't really understand what it was or what it meant for my body. It was all very confusing. And we ended up, she, she made it sound like we had no option other than to go straight into IVF. Like if we, if we wait, you know, we'll never have another chance. And (laughs) Uh, so, just I'm, felt very I'm, pressured. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So I'm curious when you, when she first told you about endometriosis, did she explain what it was? Yeah, not, not a whole lot. <laughs> Basically it was kind of a quick little appointment that day. She had, she did a pelvic ultrasound and was able to see uh, what at the time she had guessed and was later confirmed through surgery was an endometrioma on my right ovary, okay. which in a way I was kind of lucky with that because for many women, they're not able to see anything on ultrasound. So it can feel oh. kind of, you know, like you're a little lost. I don't, <laughs> not knowing what's going on. Um, so I was thankful to at least have some kind of answer to, you know, everything that we were struggling with. But I did feel like I left that day going, I still have no idea what that means or what that is. Uh, she kind of, mm-hmm. she basically just asked me, are you in pain? And I thought she meant like right now in this moment, which I, I sure. wasn't because <laughs> my, my pain was primarily centralized around my menstrual cycles for the most part. 
I think like so many women out there just really didn't make the connection that being in that that amount of pain and such an intense level of pain just wasn't normal because, yeah. you know, we're kind of learned that it is through yeah, other I women in our that. lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I left the office that day going, I really don't know what this is and just spent mm. some time on Google just figuring out what is endometriosis? What are the symptoms? And was starting to make some connections of going, oh, I think maybe she's right about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. When you were a teenager and you were starting to feel those symptoms, was it mostly just pain uh, that you were experiencing? And I would I would guess as a teenager that it's like, okay, well, this is just this is just how periods are. Yep, that's exactly what it was. I I mean, it never it never even dawned on me that I should go and get support in some way. It's that typical thing where it's just normalized for women yeah. to be in pain, and especially as a as a young teenage girl you know, other teenagers my age were having, you know, cramps and we would Mm -hmm. talk about it and complain about it to each other. And, you know, older women in my life, you know, family and and loved ones. And it just was presented to me as something that's normal. No one ever had talked to me about what level of pain is normal and what isn't. It never dawned on me that (laughs) that was something to look at. I did have a little bit of Um, some urinary and and bowel symptoms at the time. Nothing super severe that kind of kicked in more when I was older, but definitely the period pain was my big symptom when I was younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine sent me this thing. I don't know if it was like um, somebody talking about how the equivalent of period pain is the same as a heart attack Mm -hmm. and how there's this expectation of like, just get out there, girls. Like, don't let your period stop you. And imagining it as the same amount of pain as a heart attack, we wouldn't, we wouldn't tell someone to just get out there and ride a bike if you're. Oh, totally. (laughs) When a lot of women will even equate the um, period pain with endometriosis to labor pains. I've heard a lot of women, you know, compare the two and be like, yeah, they're, they're pretty, pretty close, if not the same. And same thing, you're expected to just go out and go to work and do your thing. Because if you if you cancel plans or call out of work because of your period, then you're just, uh, you know, a weakling. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Where you would never expect someone to be in labor and still go to work. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's an interesting conundrum there, I suppose. Yeah. So you get this diagnosis and she immediately went to IVF, which I would imagine to be pretty, just a, a huge hit to you. Yeah, it was very intense. That was one thing that I think was not really... I didn't really fully understand until I was in it. And maybe you can't, (laughs) maybe Mm. you can't really fully understand what that's like until you're in it. But uh, I mean, just the physical and mental and emotional toll are all really intense during that full process. And I, I think I didn't really expect the level of all of that. You know, I knew there were a lot of needles involved and things like that, which I don't love, but I'm not, you know, I'm not terrified of needles. So I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I can handle that. But then just the effects of the medication on my body were were really intense, you know, because it's a lot of hormone related drugs, of course, and it just it affects everything about you. It affects the way that you that you feel. It affects your mood. It affects I was feeling just super bloated all the time and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, during during that whole process, much less my poor husband having to sit there and, you know, put multiple injections into my body mm-hmm. every day. Cause I, I, I'm one of those people, I, I, I don't mind the needle, but I, there's no way I'm going to stick it in my own body. I just, no, no. 
God bless the women who are able to do that. No. I yeah, am that's... not one of them. My husband had to do every single injection for me. I was like, well, I closed my eyes and looked away. Yeah. But honestly, the, I think the hardest part was more the, the mental and emotional toll behind it. Mm. Um, we did an egg retrieval, which, and I should rewind and mention that we started all of this January of 2020. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course. So, we all know how that year went. Right. So I actually, I believe Hot I twist. did my, right. <laughs> I believe that I did my egg retrieval in February of 2020. And then I was supposed to take I think about eight weeks in between the egg retrieval and the, and the first transfer, that was the initial plan anyway. In the right. meantime, they were doing some very intense drugs to help to, to suppress the endometriosis, or at least that was the theory, which made me feel even worse than any of the other IVF medications. Man. But then, of course, it all got delayed because of, of COVID, because they, they ended up just shutting down anything that wasn't a current active cycle and was kind of, mm-hmm. they kind of just put things off. So I didn't end up having my uh, first transfer until June of that year. So several months yeah. later. Yeah. So then the waiting game is stressful, right? Because I know yeah. I've got, I ended up getting um, five frozen embryos out of that. Okay. And then you're just, it's just the waiting game, you know, wait and see what happens. And um, we did our transfer in June and I, I'm one of those people. I, I think I just tend to have more of a positive mindset slash, you know, assuming things will work out, (laughs) which sometimes goes well. But in this case, unfortunately, we did our first transfer and it it, it just didn't stick. It didn't take. And I, of course, knew that was a strong possibility because many people have to go through multiple rounds of, of, you know, transfers and things before something happens. And and I was mentally prepared for that being a possibility, but Mm -hmm. nothing could really prepare you for that you know, getting that phone call, just hearing, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, but it, you right. know, you're not pregnant after all that build up and lead up. Yeah. So that was a really tough moment, just that one. And then we ended up doing a second transfer in September of that year, Okay. which that one was successful. I, I did end up getting pregnant that round. Uh, we went all the way up to 12 weeks along with uh, doing the progesterone injections and all that stuff. And as soon as we stopped the progesterone injections, I actually started spotting when mm-hmm. we went in to, to get an ultrasound and it turned out that I had miscarried. So oh, that yeah. was just a whole other level of emotional right. trauma. And to, for me, was kind of my enough is enough moment. You know, it's it's that's where looking back, I, not to say that I'm thankful for that moment, because it certainly mm-hmm. it was one of the hardest days of my life. Absolutely. But I'm thankful for where this journey has taken me because I think if it weren't for everything that I have been through, that I I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the level of understanding that I have now. I wouldn't I wouldn't have um, worked as intensely on wanting to heal my body and just learn mm-hmm. everything that I can. And yeah. it's gotten me to a point where I'm realizing, like, okay, I've learned so much stuff. And now I, I just feel, you know, obligated in a good way to to want to share this with as many people as I can. So that's why yeah. we're here today. <laughs> Had you been working in the health area before? No, I, I've always been interested in the holistic world. I, um, I mean, I've, I've been a yoga teacher for many years. I'm not doing it quite as actively nowadays, but I've always been into like healthy eating and things like that. But uh, 
my prior main job was teaching classical ballet. (laughs) I had actually been a a professional classical ballet dancer myself and ended up retiring very early due to some injuries and things like that. And so I got into teaching and Mm -hmm. that's actually what I was doing when I started this whole journey. Okay. Wow. So quite a change. That is quite 180. (laughs) What was it like for your relationship with your husband during that time? Yeah, I think we were very fortunate in that it really bonded us more than anything. Because I I feel like with couples going through infertility, because of course we've talked to other couples along the way and things like that, it seems like it goes, it can go either direction. It can just completely divide you because you can't connect on that emotional level or it just, Mm -hmm. it bonds you in a way that you, you know, hadn't before. And we'd already been together for a long time by this point in time. Uh, Even by the time we were married, we'd already been together for eight years. And so this was a couple, we'd already been together for, you know, 10 years by the time we were going through all of this. You guys had a nice Yeah. So we had a really strong foundation and it just, for us, I feel like it just brought us closer together because we, Mm -hmm. we were obviously going through this very emotional journey together and we just really leaned on each other. You know, my, my husband is my best friend. <laughs> I'm very thankful to have that in my life. And he's the one person that I felt like I could really lean on and connect to. And probably the only person in my life who really, really understood what I was feeling, what we, what I was going through. Cause obviously he's going through the same thing. Um, Cause it was, it was a little bit of a challenge for, for me personally, I think, and, and, and for him also, because if you look at both of our families, our parents, our siblings, you know, our aunts, cousins, like I don't have anybody else in my family who struggled with fertility and, and the same for him. So, okay. You guys are all alone. Yeah. It felt very lonely and just like nobody, nobody really understood. And that's been a little bit of a, a challenge also just to kind of navigate that and, you know, family and friends meaning well, but just not really knowing what to say or how to connect or kind of just ignoring the situation altogether. And Right. Um, so yeah, we ended up just really bonding with each other and, and, mm-hmm. you know, that connection has just gotten stronger and stronger over the years. I'm so curious how your friends and family responded, because I think so many people have best intentions, you know, but some of the stuff that people will say is just like a dagger. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's been a big one. I mean, there there were certain friends and family members and things like that that were just so well-meaning and wanted to show their support, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, some of the things people were saying, I mean, even as far as I was having comments like, gosh, you know, going on even on the political end, like there's women having abortions right and left and then, you know, you're having oh. a miscarriage and I was like, that's not that's what? not helpful. <laughs> Yeah, related, you know, and, and just, if it's meant to be, it'll be, or this was, this was God's will, or maybe you're just not meant to be a mom, or maybe that just wasn't the right embryo, the right egg. And I'm like, okay, like that's, none of this is helpful. (laughs) I just have to, that's where you have to just be of strong character, I guess, and be willing and willing and able to just Mm-hmm. know yourself and know your own journey and kind of stick with your own beliefs and mm-hmm. 
take it mm-hmm. one day at a time. What is the best piece of advice you could give someone who knows somebody who is going through IVF or having infertility struggles rather than for the person yeah, who is? <laughs> that's a great question. I think my best piece of advice is to, first of all, don't be afraid to ask the person how you can best support them because everybody's different. You know, some people mm-hmm. want to really talk about things. I think that's more like, that's more me. I, 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 I do have one family member who was, you know, really wonderful to talk to and a shoulder to lean on. She hadn't struggled with, you know, fertility in the same way I had, but she'd had multiple miscarriages. So she did understand yeah. to some extent. I liked having that person to like connect with and talk to and kind of let it all out and talk through things and where the emotions were, where my husband is kind of the opposite. He just doesn't, he's going through his own emotional journey, of course, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily like to, you know, talk about it or have people ask about it so much. Um, yeah. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like that feeling of being so vulnerable, yeah. which is okay too. You know, he'll mm-hmm. talk to me and and we'll connect in our own way, but he doesn't appreciate so much, you know, people, oh, you know, pitying him and all that. Not that I, you know, want people pitying me, but mm-hmm. I would say that's the biggest thing is just yeah. feel free to talk like, do, hey, do you want to talk about it? And mm-hmm. if they yeah. do, great, you know, be a good listening ear and a shoulder to lean on. And if yeah. they're feeling the opposite, you know, find a way to help distract their mind, take them out or, or, you know, just sit with them at home on the couch and watch a movie. Like it doesn't need to be anything fancy. It sometimes for me, that was the best thing was just to just have a friend, you know, just to to talk with and and laugh about something completely unrelated and different. Because one thing I learned with IVF uh, and even just infertility in general, it's a full-time job. Like it, it occupies so much of your time and energy and, and, you know, mental energy for sure. And so having, having a friend just to be a friend and talk about, you know, anything else and just enjoy each other's company was really a beautiful thing too. Yeah. Okay. Nice. That's good advice. (laughs) (laughs) This moment in your life was such a tragedy, but also it like was able to pivot you into the direction that you are now going down this holistic path and helping other women and yourself also kind of find a little bit more answer. So tell me, tell us about that. Yeah, it's it's really been a beautiful unfolding uh, in my in my own journey here because it's it's that it's that idea of the silver lining, right? Um, right. It was to me that moment of you know the failed round of IVF and having a miscarriage and and just feeling really burnt out with the whole process was just kind of my personal breaking point of sorts. Just. I really, I need to find another way. I need to find, I need to find a way to feel like I'm in control of my own body again. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I I wanted, I was craving that feeling of being empowered to just take my health into my own hands. And I, I, I know, I know in my heart that there's so much you can do through nutrition and different things to, you know, to help your body to heal and to give it the nutrients that it needs. And I remember even actually asking my my fertility doctor about that after we had that first failed round. I said, hey, is there anything I can do, you know, dietarily or, you know, supplements I can take to help, you know, with certain nutrients that can be helpful? And yeah. she kind of just brushed it off like, yeah, you know, mm. she kind of just brushed it off like, you know, whatever you think might help. Oh, <laughs> wasn't... oh, helpful. What? <laughs> yeah. She just wasn't really giving it, 
you know, a lot, a lot of power. And I just, I, I've heard other stories before about, you know, how nutrition can help and things like that. So I started just doing some research on my own after that time. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, how nutrition can help with fertility, how nutrition can help, help with endometriosis. And lo and behold, I started finding a lot of information out there. Okay. Um, you know, there were, there were a few particular, you know, websites and blogs that I was reading and was finding some really great information just through those sources. And I started just trying a few little things on my own and started mm-hmm. seeing some changes pretty quickly, even as far as just my pain levels and, and fatigue levels and things like that. Yeah. And so that, that struck me as like, well, I need to learn more about this, Absolutely. you know? So I, I actually initially joined the Nutritional Therapy Association where I got my first credential or first certification. That's the word I'm looking for mm-hmm. uh, as a nutritional therapy practitioner. Honestly, I think I went into it initially more with this idea of I just I want to learn what this process is for myself. You know, yeah. I had a, an idea of the back of my mind of like, maybe I can use this to help other people in the future too, like have a little side hustle or something. But it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the forefront of my mind. It was more just, I have to learn this information. I want to know what this is all about. I, I need to really dig in and and, mm-hmm. and learn about this stuff. I did that program and it was just, it was really life-changing for me as far as just what I was learning, the people that I was connecting with. Um, of course, I was applying everything I was learning to my own body along the way and was just seeing, yeah. feeling and seeing some healing starting to happen, seeing some cha- yeah. beautiful changes happening in my body. And it, it gave me that sense of empowerment that I was really looking for, which was which was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, How soon did you start to see changes in your body? Pretty quickly. Um, okay. Wow. I would say, because of course... I was learning little bits at a time along the way as I was doing this training. But even before that, just when I started making um, some dietary changes, like the first thing that I did that I tried out was just cutting out gluten. I was already, what, 30 years old by this point in time and mm-hmm. had never suspected any sort of gluten sensitivity. But I you know, was reading some stuff about it and there seemed to be a really strong connection with endometriosis. So I said, you know what, it can't hurt to just give it a try. You know, I'll cut sure. it out for 30 days and see what happens. And in that, just in that 30 days, this is even before I started any of the the trainings that I went to, my pain level from from one menstrual cycle to the next was, I would say, cut in half. Wow. Um, Which, you know, that may not be that that big of a change for everybody from making one change like that, but that was kind of a wow moment for me. I was like, okay, if doing one thing different in my diet can make that much of an impact... What if I learn more and try more things? And so that's how I had to dig deeper. And then, you know, it's an ongoing journey, right? So Mm -hmm. I've I've worked on little things over time. It started with more of the nutrition pieces, just really working on simple things like eating more whole food and getting tons and tons of of vegetables, like more than I ever thought possible. Um, focusing in on on protein because your body actually really needs protein to be able to to heal and mm-hmm. rebuild tissue and things like that. And then that start you know progressed into working on my gut health and working on balancing hormones and and things like that. And just I feel like every little piece that I learn just helps my body that much more. And so now it's been you know several years of that journey of learning something new and implementing it to it to my own body and. I mean, if I look back from when I first, first started this journey into nutrition up to where I am now, I mean, it's, it's completely 
night and day in the way that I feel. I'm, wow. I've, I actually, my, my last cycle that I had just a few weeks ago, my mm-hmm. period was completely 100% pain-free, not even wow. a little bit, given that my starting point was like crippling. I literally can't stand up, much less go to work or function in life. When I would have bowel movements it, in particular, it was like, I, I can't even describe what that felt like. It would just be so intense. I would be like holding onto the wall of my bathroom, oh my like just yeah. waiting for it to be over, dreading that moment because it's Ugh. not like you can... Right. Avoid it. <laughs> yeah. I, I went from that to being 100% pain-free. My fatigue levels are like non-existent. I mean, I'm, I'm a human, so it's not like I don't get tired, mm-hmm. but I, mm-hmm. I don't experience any of that intense fatigue that I used to experience. That's incredible. I, I used to have a lot of digestive issues, you know, bloating and discomfort and different mm-hmm. things going on and and all of that is gone like it's wow. it's complete night and day in my in my body and I'm I'm so thankful for just everything I've learned along the way and being able to implement it in my body and and for all the changes I've seen it's it's just brought me a quality of life that I didn't really know was possible for me a few years ago and that is really cool what a gift you were given from this little babe I recently learned about, and when I say recent, within the last three years, so really recent, about cycle syncing mm-hmm. and and just never heard about it before. Why isn't this common knowledge, you know, to yeah. be foods based on the four different periods of my cycle to help alleviate not only menstrual cramps, but also my mood? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, That's huge. Just like mind-boggling how it's just not talked about as like a general form of learning about your health. Oh yeah. Well, there's so much in relation to our menstrual cycles that just isn't talked about in it, which is the more I'm learning, the more it's just, is crazy to me. Even just, even just the fact that you shouldn't be in pain when you're on your period and you Mm. shouldn't be going through bouts of, you know, extreme fatigue and depression and PMS symptoms and headaches and nausea and just all these things that we consider to be just a normal part of life as a woman, those things aren't normal, you know, much less that the idea that we as women like it or not, we're cyclical beings, you know, Mm -hmm. are during the time of life, which let's be real is a good portion of our lives that we're, you know, having a menstrual cycle, when when we allow ourselves to actually align with that and and stop fighting it, which I think so many of us do, yeah. Man, you feel so much better. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like you said, there are certain absolutely ways to eat in different times of your cycle that help to support what's going on in your body at that time. And even things like what type of exercise and movement you're getting at different points in your cycle. Like we tend to be a lot more energetic, the follicular phase. Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to have a lot more energy and, you know, so that might be the time in your cycle that you do more high intensity exercise. If that's something that you enjoy, that's when you can go on runs and go to the gym Mm -hmm. and do your thing. Whereas we tend to, after ovulation during that luteal phase, energy levels tend to be lower and you know it's okay to honor that and be like okay well during this phase I'm going to focus more on doing yoga and going on walk you know even little things like that really start to make a big difference in the way that you feel and and just having an understanding but I think also just honoring yourself and your your cycle and just honoring the fact that you're a woman in the first place 
basically what I've done now is I've taken everything that I've learned over these past, you know, several years of my life, everything that I've, you know, done through trial and error on my own body and, and learned through these various courses that I've taken and things like that, figured out how all of that connects with endometriosis and fertility and, and those various pieces. And I've put together a program where I work with women one-on-one. It's called my Thrive with Endo program. And mm. it's it basically, it's a six-month coaching program where we dig into all of this stuff. So we, we work a lot on the nutrition pieces, especially at first, you know, really getting on track with you know, it's so much more than just eating healthy. It's more about figuring out what foods really work best for your unique body, right? Because there really isn't an exact diet that everybody should follow. It's not, it's not that simple. I wish it were, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really figuring it out for myself. (laughs) Exactly. It's more about figuring out what works for your unique body, what, what foods are going to be nourishing and and beneficial for you and what foods aren't and kind of pinpointing all of that. And then we also actually dig into, um, I I use some functional testing, like I use a GI map, which is a stool test, as well as an MRT food sensitivity test, sometimes a Dutch test, which is a hormone test. I'm a big data person, like I like to see those numbers and, and exact data of what's going on. I feel like it just gives a much better picture. And I know just speaking personally for myself, I saw much more powerful, impactful results when I started doing that work on my own body. And then we go through a full blown healing protocol, you know, based on, on those results. So we can work on gut health. We can figure out exactly what those food sensitivities are and help your help your body actually to be able to heal. That's where the gut health piece comes in so mm-hmm. that you can hopefully enjoy some of those foods in the future. So it's not about just removing them forever and being super restrictive. I'm actually not a fan of that Yeah, because um, nice. the mental health piece of it is, is really big also. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so we, we, we do a full healing protocol, you know, work work through balancing hormones and blood sugar and you know so many different little pieces and and then as we go through we work on just piecing together a long-term plan as well and so I, I like to set people off with that feeling of empowerment like okay I've learned all this stuff now mm-hmm. I can you know take that with me for life and now I know how to nourish myself and take care of myself that's so great so needed. Yeah. <laughs> Are you able to work with women all over the U.S.? That's the beauty of what I do is I'm um, I'm actually able to, I actually have my practice 100% online right now. So okay. I'm Great. able to work with women anywhere. Most of my clients are primarily like U.S. and, and Canada based, but I, mm-hmm. I am actually able to work also with international clients. Like it's pretty, it's pretty open. The only challenge we run into sometimes is with, with, with the testing. Um, there's certain things you can't oh, get in certain right. countries and things like that. Right. But for the most part, it's 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 a lot more widespread than it used to be. For the most part, we're able to to make it work in some fashion or another. I'm very blessed to just really love what I do. I really created this program in a large part because this is exactly what I wish I that I would have had like from day one. Yeah. <laughs> that day oh. I came home from the doctor's office and was told, you know, hey, it looks like you have endometriosis. If somebody had told me like, okay you have endometriosis and here join this program and (laughs) your Mm -hmm. life will be just fine. Uh, Gosh, that would have saved me so much headache and (laughs) frustration and her too, you know, like 
mean, when girls get their periods, the conversation needs to start happening right away. Oh, absolutely. Right now, as we're recording this, it's March. It's it's Endometriosis Awareness Month right now, oh, actually. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I've been really working this month on just helping with that idea yeah. of just spreading awareness. Actually, I had a really cool experience even just yesterday. I had somebody reach out to me and say, you know, hey, I've seen your your post. My daughter has been struggling with period pain and, you know, how can I help her? You know, she, she's in college now and her mom said she was just lying on the floor crying during her, her period and she's out of state. And so she was just stressing about that. And if all of this sharing reaches one person and helps them yeah. to like get some, some help and support that they need. Awesome. Yeah. I think my best advice to anybody who's, who's going through this or struggling with this is just to, first of all, just keep putting one foot in front of the other right? It's, it's a one day at a time kind of journey, you know, just mm -hmm. keep going. And secondly, yeah. to remember that your intuition and your, your instincts about your own body more often than not are going to be correct, right? It's, yeah. you're the expert on your own body. And if you feel like something's off and mm -hmm. I don't feel like this should be happening to my body, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, to keep reaching out. You know, like if you're trying to get an uh, endometriosis diagnosis, if you think that's a possibility because of the you know intense pain that you've been getting, if you're talking to a doctor and they're not listening to you or not believing you or, you know, kind of brushing you off, find another one. <laughs> You know, yeah. keep looking. If you're working with a practitioner and you don't feel like you're being listened to or taken seriously, find another one. Like you're, mm -hmm. if you feel like something's not right for your body, listen to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think our instincts as women are, or as people, not just as women, are so much stronger than we believe. I think a lot yeah. of us tend to focus on, you know, oh, well, that doctor is the expert, so they must know what they're yeah. talking about. Absolutely. That's really good. Good advice. I think we fall into the shoulds so much, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, I should do this. This is the expectation or this is what this person says, or this is this person's experience. And, you know, it's really important to hone inward and really pay attention to what, what your body's saying. Absolutely. Hey everyone, we hope you got something out of today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Love After Lullabies. And if you and your partner are interested in being in the show, we'd love to have you. Email us at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com. And also, we would really appreciate a like, subscribe, and even a share would be amazing. Ha, ha, ha.